Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift's podcast, episode 37, with my special guest, Joe Jeffrey, back again. Joe, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Um, yeah, as you were just saying, I was the first guest. You've had quite a few since then. I have actually listened to everyone. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was way back about probably a year ago now. Yeah, my first guest on my second episode. So thanks for coming back on. Um, so what's, uh, what's new with you, Joe? You've, been, you've had a busy year. Um, uh, what's what's going on? In terms of what's new since the last time we were on here together, not really anything in basic terms. I'm still doing everything that I was doing then. Mm-hmm. Um, probably just um, I've had a busy year in terms of last year was very busy with clients competing. Mm-hmm. This year was very busy up until last week uh, with clients competing. Now it's stressfully even busier trying to sort out the clients that now aren't competing. Um, but in terms of what's new, to be very honest with you, nothing, I'm still doing exactly the same thing apart from it's moved further away from coaching in terms of coaching new people. I've pretty much got the same client roster as when we spoke last time. Hmm. Um, a lot of work now is consultation, education-based stuff. Yeah, brilliant, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did see you put out some uh, feelers for the consultations of us. How that really interesting. Uh, I did. I saw on your website about a year ago you were doing those, but now you've kind of upped up the pace on those a little bit. Well, I've always done them, but yeah, yeah. when I sort of hit a cap on clients, um, which was probably about when we spoke last year, hmm. I'd have a lot of people inquire for coaching. I would have to turn them away, but I'd always say, you know, if there's anything specific that you want to dig into, I do these. Um, face-to-face calls at, at the sort of frequency that you'd like. So it, it would typically work out bi-monthly or just one per month Well, where we'll dig into a specific topic or how they can move forward with just sort of coaching themselves. And we'll do that as, a, as an alternative to being full-on coaching. So that's quite a nice option, isn't it? So you, it's, 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 it maybe gives people, because I, I know from my perspective, I don't always want to have that week-to-week contact with a coach. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives people that maybe that hands-off experience while still getting the benefit of experience. That's good, actually. I might, I might make that myself. <laughs> yeah, I'd recommend it. It works really well for a specific personality type, like somebody like me and you, mm-hmm. um, because we're experienced to know how to make very simple adjustments and, you know, the, the basic things... Um, but when you need to dig into very specific topics or, or even just learn something about how to move forward, that's when it's useful because you, you won't necessarily need to touch base with a coach every single week. Yeah. And, you know, so it works really well for people that already have a lot of experience and, and are able to coach themselves essentially just with a little, a little hand. I like that as well. I like the fact that there's that sort of face-to-face contact because it's a little better than just giving them a routine and saying, go get on with it. There's a bit more of a personal touch there. I like that a lot. So you can really explain things. You can go over any questions right there and then. Because um, yeah. I did, I did sell a few my, routines for a while, but I think that's, this is potentially a better idea. Sorry. One of my coaching tiers that I offer, the top tier, that um, I maybe only have eight out of my 50 clients. Is it eight? Eight or nine of my of my whole client load run the top tier. And this is actually a, a weekly call in this manner um, alongside their, their programming otherwise. And, and we will check in via a face-to-face call. Whereas the rest of my check-ins will still be a, they're still a video response, but they're not with the person there asking me questions face-to-face. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it works well. Excellent. Awesome. Um, what about, uh, 
I can't recall you had a marriage at some point. You married to Jasmine. Yeah. Uh, was that the past year? Has that been longer now? Yeah, I was literally just thinking that because yeah, um, it was a few days after. <laughs> yes, yes. I thought it was in the last year. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, late congr- so it'll be your anniversary pretty soon then. Um, yeah, it'll be coming up. Yeah, um, awesome, awesome. Very cool, very cool. How's married life treating you? Exactly the same as life prior. That's, that's great then, that's great. <laughs> nothing, nothing has changed. Um, it's the funny thing, I'll speak to a client earlier who said, you must be going mad being in quarantine, stuck in the house with the missus all day. I'm like, no, <laughs> It's the same as any other day. We, you know, yeah. we're working from home and <laughs> mates, so it's fine. Yeah. Awesome, that's really cool. And uh, I think Jasmine's doing pretty well. She's got a business, right? Well, her business is doing very, very, doing very, very well, well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She won an award Hill. recently, I think. Say again, sorry. She she won an award recently, I think. And yeah, she won yeah. Um, best new businesswoman of the year, I think. Amazing. Um, yeah, so Compact was doing amazingly. Um, the exponential growth has been unreal. She's gone from working out of our home office to having her own office um, and staff and sponsored athletes and stuff in just a year, which is unreal. And, it, and it's, a, it's a huge credit to her. Work. Fantastic. That's awesome. Well, so, it, and it, what, what is but, the sort of gist of the company? So here's I, I, where. I apologize. I've not really looked into that one. Well, you'll recognize the issue here. Um, she sells. Um, so. I'll give you the, the sort of birth story. I don't want to go on and, and bore anybody here. No, please do. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. A few years ago when she competed for the first time, um, I remember it, when we just moved in together and I, and I said something like, this is crazy that you've had to go to eight different places to buy your bikini and then your shoes and then your tan and then your glaze and then some plastic cups and then some mitts and then a towel and then a black thing. And I was like, why have we had to go to all these different places to buy this stuff that every single person's buying. Yeah. And she recognized that and she said, you know, maybe I should create a one-stop shop where you can get everything in one single box. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's what it was. So it, but here's the, uh, the crux of it. It relies entirely on competitions actually happening. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the next few months are going to be a struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See how it goes. Yeah. We'll see how long this takes, but yeah, I, I like that. I think that's a great idea. Cause I mean, I, I remember with my men's physique competition, having to get board shorts from, I mean, that wasn't even a bodybuilding shop I went to. It was, it was literally a surfing shop online. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so random that like you have to go to all these different places. That's that's fantastic. Awesome. Very cool. Yes. So she hasn't launched the men's side yet, but we were talking um, of doing that just when when the time is available, yeah, basically. Um, so now is probably a good time to start developing that. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're ready for when all this blows over. That's right. Brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. So I suppose the first thing I wanted to talk about is we've, we've somewhat touched on it already is... Um, what are your and your your plans for your clients and your clients' plans for the next sort of few months? What are you thinking at this stage? Because we don't really know much, do we? So, what are you thinking at this stage well, in terms that, of competition? Well, that's the issue. It, it it depends on the specific client situation. I had some clients that had been prepping for twelve, sixteen, twenty weeks by this point, and those clients that were longer term prepping, we are pulling them out the other side now and trying to reverse them back to maintenance point and instead focusing on health in some cases, gaining some body fat back um, again for health reasons to 
put them at a better position, not to necessarily grow and, and push up, yeah. but you know, considering things like immunoprotection or just not being in a, for, for the natural guys being in a, like a hypergonadal state when you don't need to be. And when we're not able to generate, you know, sufficient amount, sufficient amounts of mechanical loading at home, um, things like this, we're not in the perfect place to maintain or hypertrophy new skeletal muscle tissue. I'm trying to do what I can for those people that would be at greater risk of things like proteolysis, so losing muscle, to, to put them in a better position to maintain and, and be healthy and use this instead as a recovery period. Yeah. Um, in the same vein, I've got a couple of clients that were prepping for a photo shoot. Um, one that you've probably seen being Christian because he whores it on Instagram constantly. Yeah, yeah, I do see him look quite a lot. He pops up on my feed. <laughs> He's three weeks out, so pulling him out would be ridiculous. So we're yeah. We're rolling him in. He's not going to lose any muscle in three weeks. Nice. Um, he looks good. He's got a, he's got a great uh, vacuum. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He looks way better than he's ever looked. He's still on quite a good amount of food. Very relaxed. He's on only an hour of cardio per week. Um, it's um, all very low load. And I think that's been his issue. This was our first sort of season working together and he's about uh, 25 pounds up way leaner than he ever was before so yeah he's done very well um what's what sort of what sort of in terms of time frame how long are you prepping these guys for um so chris he was about 16 weeks in or something but christian's been going about 16 yeah good um yeah. i had i've got um a girl and one guy that had literally been prepping for two weeks mm. when all this went down mm. yeah um for the um the june pca show Yes, yeah, the first time. Um, yeah, so for them, it was like, in fact, for one of them, it was like, we'll just put you back to maintenance and chill out for a bit. For the other one, it was like, you're a bit uncomfortable eating what you're eating anyway. Let's just let some fat roll off you and then maintain wherever you end up then, you know. So very, very context situational. Yeah, and it seems by the sounds of it, you got, you're keeping these guys pretty lean anyway. So keeping them pretty lean with a long um, sort of, well, depends how you class it but a five month um sort of contest prep means they can really pull it down slowly keep the calories high stress low because keeping that stress low is huge yeah so stress management is really stress and sleep management are really my number one things for people in prep that i've learned and i've made mistakes on in the past with with prepping people that's always at the forefront of every single decision for me what do you do with, say, on that note, I mean, how do you sort of handle people who uh, come to you for the first-time competition? Because I always find that tends to be the hardest one. You're the first-time competition, the first-time prep, the first-time photo shoot, that tends to be the hardest cut for most people. How do you kind of navigate that? Um, being very honest with you, if someone comes to me just for a prep, I don't do that mm-hmm. because I feel ethically it's not suitable for me to not have learn that client's individual response to a point where I know that I can manage things like their stress and sleep management prior to the event um, rather than just going by guesswork. So maybe at least a month of prior work before we attack the physique goal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wouldn't work with somebody that said, I've got a show in 12 weeks. Can we go? Yeah. Um, it's, it, is, it is a thought process, isn't it, for a lot of people, though? It's like, I'm going to hire you to get me shredded. I'm going to, put yeah. this, I'm going to throw this money at you, get me shredded. <laughs> Not to put it too bluntly, you know. Yeah, and that's another red flag for a coach because 
it's like um it's a thought process of i can give you this money and you can get me this way mm-hmm. we know that's not how it works yeah, it's a, a relationship that there's a give and a take either end yeah absolutely. Um, so yeah that's that's a red flag saying i'm signing up with you for preps like no you should be investing in me learning to coach you I think I think genuinely for me the the clients who get the most out of my service and it sounds like it's the same for you are the ones who are coming into it looking for an education and yeah. they that you know, that that is just so it's it's more it's not not even just an education of what you can teach them but what they can learn about themselves I think is really important. Hundred percent, it's that, and it's also look at any coach. I think it's no secret why their longest term clients get the best results. Yeah. It takes time if you're a proper coach and you coach properly. Um, to learn all of these inter-individual responses, whether it be biological, psychological. There's so many small inferences that we take as coaches on how we coach somebody specifically to drive the desired end result. Yeah, absolutely. It's huge. I think just get even, even at the basic level, the first things that I tend to look for is getting to used to someone's eating schedule. So somebody who's, I mean, I've had a couple of these over the last year. In fact, I put up uh, an example of a review of one of my clients, Steve, and we've had to have some pretty tough conversations in terms of eating habits, eating patterns, triggers for, for going off the plan. Um, And sometimes you can identify some things which you can work with and you can suggest uh, solutions for and other times it's just a case of well we've really got to you know pick our slacks up a little bit and get this job done so I think before you have those conversations and really learn that client and they trust you and you trust them it becomes quite difficult just to get them shredded absolutely yeah exactly that's a really good point exactly why it's not so simple as come to me I want to get shredded it's always like okay and I actually had this not so long ago um where I was asked as a favor by a close friend to coach somebody for their um, wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I kind of do it on the side, but you know, I'm capped with clients. But we'll like, just check in with you every couple of weeks. And I said, it, I don't have time to work out the psychology here. And it was a complete inadherence the whole way. <laughs> yeah. Because, and you know, whose fault's that? I don't know. It, it would be easy for me to say, you should have just adhered to the plan, but I hadn't learned what they could adhere to. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it's, it's so true. There, there is so much to be said for like a long-term relationship and, and that coach client relation, getting to know them and who they are as a person. And inevitably what happens is you, you tend to become friends with these people. And I think that's positive because you learn more about them and they're, they're able to speak to you more comfortably because there are clients I've had in the past, for example, whose living situations haven't been ideal like perhaps they're still living with parents or, and they don't want to tell me that from the off, you know? And so getting to know them more and getting for them to get to know my personality and who I am almost makes them comfortable in coming out with these things as well. Because some people, they might not want to tell you straight off the bat, you know, they want to build that trust first, but ultimately that's going to affect their eating pattern. So little do they know that every Friday night, their mother-in-law is plying them with potatoes and beef and they can't say no. And on the weekend they're with their, their mom, and, you know, the, the, your mum wants to treat him as well because she only gets to see him, you know, um, uh, a couple of times a week. So there's, there's so much so much complexity there in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Brilliant. Yeah. So just going back to your clients anyway. Um, so we're, for the most part, 
apart from the very short-term clients who have got things coming up over the next couple of weeks, are you mostly pulling people back to maintenance? Yes, um, mainly because I don't know what is going on here. I spoke to a statistician. (laughs) Again, this is complete hearsay. I know. Mm -hmm. Um, He said he's been paid to do some statistics on this and it's looking at about five months before the curve begins to flatten, which is when we will likely be introduced to a gym environment again. That's a very long time. Yes, it is. I, I don't have a clue. So whilst we're all in the dark, I think it's best to use this phase to our advantage. Maybe if that's one way you could actually address some things that we don't typically address as, you know, these A type personalities moving forward as bodybuilders in terms of what happens outside the gym or outside the way that you are identifying yourself as a bodybuilder. And is that a problem? Because what I've discovered, I did do a um, post on the, I did an Instagram story on the night that this happened saying, if anybody wants any advice, you don't have to be a client. Let me know and we'll talk about it. And I got an obscene amount of messages from people saying, I have this um, problem with my eating or, or this feeling towards something, but I use the gym for this. And it's like, well, that's a good sign actually that you are, that you haven't fixed the problem you, you're covering it with the gym, which I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but now you have an opportunity to be forced to face it, actually fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, that's one of the reasons why I've, I've been trying to give people by, on my public Instagram something to do in terms of, like I've been pretty, putting out this calisthenics course. So um, I think people need to do more than just push-ups and burpees until they throw up you know i think we can yes. do something a bit more productive than that we can do something more um more leading more of a progression so hopefully that's while it wouldn't be addressing their sort of psychology behind in terms of what you're saying but i do really think people use the gym as that sort of mental survival mechanism for saying look i need this in my day yeah 100 percent, i agree and and you can make it very fun just learning a new skill and a new way to train. And I know there's this huge fear of, of losing muscle tissue. Firstly, even if you did, it would come back. There's multiple pieces of data where people have taken extended breaks from training and whether it's through satellite cell translocation or, or relocation or whatever mechanism may be, I don't think we even know yet. I know Alex Colliari Turner in Brighton is currently um, doing the PhD on that in, in um, androgen users. Um, of exactly what muscle memory is Um, we know it's going to come back anyway so it's a transient effect and we also know that both low and high low training when effort of intensity is matched will equate hypertrophy outcome anyhow so why not learn a new training style have you ever tried occluded work have you ever tried real hard metabolite based tempo work you know some some internally focused neurological training so when you swap back to your heavier loads you may be potentiated to handle them with a greater mind muscle connection for lack of a better term and get more out of them yeah. you know so there's there's many ways to look at this phase as an opportunity not as a step back absolutely i think to piggy up, piggyback off on that i think what the message that i've been giving to my clients is in this 
at this point when we are mostly quarantined we're sort of forced inside there's really no reason not to be have your meals prepped have your meals ready be on time with your meals um to to get to bed on time to make sure that's all in check to do all those things which are going to make you a healthier person at the end of all this because it will come to an end at some point so there are definitely still things we can work on and for those types of people like you say there's type a personalities who kind of need something need a goal I think it's wise to kind of just refocus a little bit, perhaps a little bit on health, like you're saying, learning a new skill. And hopefully with what I'm doing with the calisthenics course, people can learn how to progress. No, not everyone is going to get to the point where they can do a one-arm chin-up, a one-arm pull-up, or a pistol squat or whatever, but the, the progressions that I'm going to be delivering over the next three months should be able to get people from at least the starting point to perhaps some way through. And for the more advanced, they'll get to right the way through. And hopefully everyone's kind of taking part in um, they can they can at least see some progress because I do think the gym is great and I love what a lot of people PTs are doing. They're putting out lots of information, saying do you know these push up guides is these push up circuits, push ups and burpees and all that kind of stuff. But that's great and they're trying. But I think that you also need something which is progressive. You need to ha- have an end goal and like you say, learn a skill or have some sort of progression there. And hopefully what I'm providing with the calisthenics, people can progress through the different variations and through the progressions and actually get that as a substitute for perhaps adding another couple of kilos to the bar, you know? Yeah. And um, just to roll back on what you said about having the meals prepped, I think this is a, a highly important thing to keep in mind is that now more than ever, you need to stick to your routine because again, on these A-type personalities, it's, a, it's an all or nothing. This isn't a time to wake up whenever you want and eat a takeaway every night and just give up because it's you need to find comfort in an uncomfortable situation Mm. um that is a bad road to go down and like you say this will end and you will regret that i'm making sure that i'm waking up at the same time walking the dog at the same time meeting the same meals i would encourage all my clients to do the same and exercising daily um whether it be some level of resistance training. Last night I did 10 rounds on the bag. Um, You know, there's a lot to be done, including work. And if you're off work, learn something and stimulate the brain. It's not a holiday. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I think think a lot lot of people are are in difficult situations sort of financially as well in terms of, perhaps getting laid off work or not having the work to do. But even in that situation, a lot of what people are putting out is stuff you can do at home with no special equipment. Now I'm not trying to make light of the issue. Obviously if people have been laid off, then that's awful. But if, if there's something that they can do, which is productive to keep their mind off those things, Mm -hmm. that's generally going to help their mental health Mm -hmm. uh, until things start to clear up. And so, you know, perhaps the government step in and do something. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And on that one, anybody listening, um, little plug here but it's not for me my friends uh well my friend cal primarily callum raystrick is callum the muscle mentors on instagram has put out some incredible content on training at home and how to use things like manual resistance and occlusion and exercise selection to train with nothing but bands and it's great um brilliant yeah absolutely yeah we'll link to that i do i do love what people are putting out in terms of how creative some of the content is and i think everyone's just trying their best and i like that i like the fact that some of my local pts that i see around here and some of the guys that i coach as well who um, are just putting out what they can and that's great um so yeah i love that i love that everyone's sort of chipping in together but we'll definitely link to that um 
when this is done. Yeah. Sweet. Um, another one on that, I think, is I have seen, this is a bit of a moan, seen a few people on Instagram sort of boasting, oh, this, you know, I've still got access to this gym. This gym's still open no matter what till the police come. Hmm. No, this is, the longer you're doing things like that, the longer you're not going to have full open access or at least the rest of us aren't. Um, yeah. He's yeah. just not a moan. Yeah, I think we've got to be sort of socially responsible uh, in that sense. Um, I, there's one certain IFBB pro who you may be referring to as well, who's, who decided to keep his gyms open until the police sort of forced him to close. Um, you don't know of that, but... Um, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a fellow out of Barnsley. Um, yeah, fair play to him, you know, okay. But I, I don't think it's a socially responsible thing to do. And I think he's going to be coming up against some fines pretty soon because he's, he has put it on his public Instagram. Not wise. Yeah, not not good, not clever. But I, you know, on that note, let's maybe do you, do you fancy talking a bit about the virus a little bit? And I, why, I, I, I keep up with quite a lot of the um, UK podcast scene, bodybuilding podcast scene. Um, there's a few bits I've seen with Cuba, and and it's it's interesting to see the different points of view. I see, like for example, Luke. Luke seems to have a very balanced view on things. Uh, Luke Sando. Sando. Um, sorry. Luke Sander. Luke Sander, yeah, sorry, yeah, Luke Sander. He seems to have a very balanced view on things, but I have seen this kind of strain of anti-intellectualism shine through the bodybuilding podcasts, and there does seem to be a certain sentiment, not a massive sentiment, but certainly a certain sentiment, which says it's just a flu, it's harmless, let everyone get it, let herd immunity take over. And that's certainly one argument. I'm not here to dismiss that, but what are your thoughts on that? On that specific subject, I think, yes, for... For many of the people listening to this podcast, and I will preface this, and this is an important point, that I am not an immune biologist, and I'm not qualified to say anything that I'm about to say. Because what was crazy to me was when this all came about, how many people were contacting me? Hmm. If You know, don't ask bodybuilding coaches about this stuff. Yeah. Um, ask professionals. Um, again, I'm going to pimp Callum out. He did a a podcast with Dr. Dean St. Mark, who is very well learned in this area. So probably listen to him. Um, anyhow, from a very personal and um, unqualified perspective, yes, I think the symptoms very well may be just like the flu or maybe you've had worse hangovers or whatever other uh, things people want to say about this. For people like us that are young and healthy and not suffering with other morbidities, that's not the issue. The issue is you getting it, giving it to somebody that is going to greatly suffer and potentially die, and then them giving it to somebody, and then you know you giving it to eight people, and then them giving it to 26 people, and then them giving it to 64 people, and it's spreading exponentially to the point that our healthcare service cannot deal with it. Um, that's the problem. Not that it's not really going to affect you because that's an incredibly selfish way to look at it. It is. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of seems to be the point that a lot of these guys are saying, which, and I want to, and I want to just stress, it's not a lot of people. It's just a few murmurs that I've seen. And then videos get comments and people start to, once people start to get together with a crazy idea or with an idea, which is perhaps not so accurate, they then start to um, more and more of them start to, bandied together and then they start to do silly things and that's when you see people gathering up in these pubs and clubs um, after hours with 
with the lights off and the music down and still congregating around after there's been a curfew, after there's mm. been a ban put in place. So that's where people start to do silly things. But yeah, I, 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 my understanding of it is fairly similar to yours. I think that's the, the general problem that we've, we're facing. And if we look at our examples of other neighboring countries like Italy, um, you know, their, their death toll is pretty high at this stage. So we, we, it's in everyone's best interest to try and do what we can to, to make sure we do um, flatten the curve, as they keep saying. Yeah, and I think I'm not um, surprised and I'm not blaming anybody for being selfish because as humans, we have evolved to only really care about our tribe and those closest to us. Um, there is a specific number, I can't remember, it's in the book Sapiens, which is an excellent book if nobody's um, hmm. read it, which is a sort of evidence-based um, description of how many can be in a human being's tribe. Um, but, you know, this can affect your tribe. If your mum gets ill, NHS can't deal with it because they have too many cases and then she dies. I'm sure you're not going to think it's just the flu. And this is the issue. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's a weird, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we are, we do want to protect those closest to us, but at the same time, being selfish in this way can almost put those people at clo- who are closest to us at the most risk. Exactly. So it's it's, a, it's an interesting uh, dilemma, isn't it? It's like uh, you know, what, what, where where do you go? And obviously, the the right choice should be to try and protect everyone. But um, yeah, I just find that find that weird way of looking at it quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, same thing as what. I don't know why people were so confused at why people were panic buying. Yeah. You know, leave some for someone else. Well, why would they? <laughs> you know, it's a human being. They're not bothered. They're thinking, I need enough supplies for me and my family in case I can't get any. I'm not interested in you lot. And, that, and, you know, is that the way it should be ethically? Maybe, maybe not, depending on what philosophical school of thought you belong to. But, that is just the way humans are always going to be. And I don't think altruism really exists in any true sense. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose you could also look at it in another way. You could also look at it in perhaps it's very consumerism, uh, consumerist point of view. Like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy my way through this catastrophe. I'm going to buy my way through this pandemic. Is yeah. that, you know, perhaps there's something to that as well? Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough. I, what I will say is, on that note, I think we are we are seeing some very altruistic acts, and I think if we keep our sort of you know ears to the ground, there are some people out there doing some amazing work, volunteering. To uh, I I volunteered the other, the other day to uh, for I've got some very elderly neighbours across the road, uh, and his uh, this fella's wife is not doing so well. She had a fall late last year, and she's mostly confined to the house, so he's got to take care of her, but at the same time, he's quite old as well. He's about 70, 75 odd, so I went around to them, and, and I said, do you need any help with, with things? And, I, and it's not, I'm nothing, I'm not one special, but there's a lot of people doing stuff like that, and various other kind acts. We are seeing a fair bit of people pulling together. Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel when you went and did that? I felt like it was just something I kind of needed to do. He needed help. I knew his wife had suffered the fall, and mm-hmm. um, I kind of just felt, yeah, I don't know, I felt bad for him. So it was something that I just felt I needed to do. It was it was a bit of a pain in the ass for me to go out my way and get it done. But if I didn't, then he wasn't going to have any supplies because he couldn't leave his wife home alone. So yes, this is an interesting thought experiment that people mm. potentially only do these things because they get some pleasure from feeling like they. Oh, I see where you be. Oh, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, sure, yeah, sure. I mean, I felt like I'd done a good job there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I won't. Yeah, definitely. I won't. Yeah, I won't. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to try and make out like I'm some kind of saint, but yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. Uh, but I guess at the same time, you kind of feel that's a person in need. You've, you've done, you've done your bit there. It's the same thing. Why it's the same reason why I'm putting out these sort of calisthenic courses. That's a giant pain in the ass as well. You don't have to do all that recording and, and I've got my own clients to take care of, but uh, I feel like it's something that needs to be done. Definitely. Right, so we've uh, we've had a chat about uh, the competitive season, had a chat about the coronavirus. We've given given you all our non-expert opinions. One thing I did want to quiz you on about Joe was what did you think of the Arnold 2020? The Arnold was higher. Actually, my expectations were, um, what would be the word, exceeded. Okay, um, good. I I thought I thought it was a really interesting show with a, a very interesting mixture of physiques. So um, I've just pulled up uh, the placings. So how about we go over through the top 10 and let's see what we thought of these people and, and where they landed. Fancy doing it from the top down or from the bottom up? Um, I'll we... leave that to you. All right, let's go. <laughs> yes, let's go top 10. I can't remember the top 10, so you'll have to... Yeah, I know. I sort of look it up. Okay, so number 10, we've got Patrick Moore. Right, let's start, let's start with from the bottom. Okay. Patrick Moore, uh, your thoughts on him? I was relatively disappointed. <laughs> and I, and I, I actually, to be fair, don't think I would have been if I hadn't seen the amount of hype that I was seeing. You know, Mr. Olympia 2021. <laughs> the next Ronnie Coleman? Yes, all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. The hardest working bodybuilder in the last decade and all of this stuff that was coming out. The future? The magical. The future. That was another one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that. I'm a not. Dis- I'm not discounting the guy's got talent. He's he's fantastic bodybuilder. Got great shape. Um, yeah, but he's, he's got- not. Yeah. I think actually, if I'm just looking at him, again, I'm just kind of thinking back. I'm not actually yeah. looking at any information right now. He was a little bit soft, from what I remember. He was a little bit soft. He was a little bit small. Yeah. yeah he was outside. Um, he's got a great flow. He does have a great future in the sport, but he doesn't like bounce out of me like the future of bodybuilding. The one thing that I sort of don't like about Patrick's physique is he's got a very, very short torso, which makes his legs look unnaturally long. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why, what kind of criticism that is, but it's just something that looks a little bit unusual about his physique. Perhaps he just needs to fill out more. But that's one thing I will say against him. I'm not sure I particularly like that aspect of his physique unnaturally long legs with a very very short waist you look at someone like a, a jay cutler he didn't have a i mean he had a great chiseled abs that were amazing but it wasn't a particularly small short i don't know i don't want to say small because people get the wrong impression but short waist he had a reasonably long waist of someone like a diasha that's like a very long waist but i find with patrick moore i just find his waist a little bit too short i don't know for me mm-hmm. yeah i get what you're saying there. i do get what you're saying so he was 10th, and yeah, I think looking at him over compared to the rest of them, he just was, like you say, a little bit too soft, a little bit too small. Mm-hmm. Um, let's compare it. Let's go to number nine then. What about Victor Martinez, number nine? Yeah, it was really good. Um, the problem was, again, we're talking about Victor. If that wasn't Victor that you were looking at there, you'd think, oh, that's a good physique. He stands well there. Yeah. But it wasn't Victor how I remember 
you know this was the problem and and you can't separate that you can't tell me if you're one of the judges that you're looking at him that that's not Victor Martinez the Victor Martinez and how he used to look you know because that's compared to how he used to look he was phenomenal yeah and this is the problem he used to look so so good that looking at him now he looks disappointing but as a standalone physique he's not really no, he's not. I mean, he, he stood next to Jay Cutler when Jay Cutler was was in his prime and he mm-hmm. almost beat him. He looked phenomenal. You're right. You're right. He's not. He's, a sh- he's absolutely a shade of what he used to be. But then the way that I think about it is he was actually quite inspiring just to be up there at his age because how old is he now? And he's been through a lot. He's been yeah. through a ton, which is quite inspiring. Very much so. I mean, I know at the bottom of the line is the judges don't give a shit about what you've been through or what it took to get you there. They, they care about what you look like on the date, which is fair enough. But um, as, as a fan, it is very inspirational to see him up there after what he's been through and his age looking as good as he did. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So next place, this was my personal biggest shocker of the night. I didn't even know this guy was prior to tonight. Prior, prior to tonight. On the far left. That's what you're going to say. Say again? The guy that was stood on the far left, he looked yes, amazing. Yes, yes, Max Charles. Holy crap. Yeah. I, could, I couldn't, keep my, couldn't keep my eyes off him. Mm. Yeah. I legitimately had him top three when I watched yes. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, who is that? Who what is that? Is- <laughs> yeah. Right. He looked, am- he looked amazing. Mm. He was tight, full peak perfectly, great lines, lovely physique. I feel like he got a bit overlooked in a sea of names. I think he did. What does he like? Um, what's his lat spread like? What's he like from behind? I can't find many pictures of him. He was solid front and back. He looked yeah. great. He was very well balanced, which is what I thought. Because actually, that was my issue with a lot of the guys in the first call out mm. is that they're all like, if we look at Rami, yeah. holy shit, he's quads. But bodybuilding, he's not that balanced. Nah. You know? Whereas, um, is it Max Charles? Is that his name? Max Charles, yeah. Max with a, He's got a lovely Max. flow, front to back, top to bottom. You know who he reminded me of? He reminded me of Chris Cormier in his prime. Those abs, mm-hmm. symmetrical yeah. as fuck. Yeah, with so, a little so, separation in the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the beautiful ab lines, the sartorius muscle, which is standing out, just amazing crisp conditioning. He's, he's yeah. like modern day Chris Cormier. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, that's a good call, actually. I never thought of that. Awesome physique. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I had him in, yeah, I'd say, I had him in my top five. Um, the, yeah, definitely. He, f- phenomenal physique, massive fan. And you know what topped it off for me was his own personal posing routine was uh, <laughs> he used Casey and Jojo, which took me right back to my childhood. <laughs> so, yeah, that was good. Right, next up is number seven, Akeem Williams. Um, I think... I think Akim looked pretty good, but I thought he would anyway. Um, his legs were ridiculous. Yes. Um, but he just looked like I'm used to him looking, um, which is a good thing because he looks great. Um, stood next to Bonac. Ugh, Bonac just tore him out of the war, I think. Um but he looked great. He looked great. I haven't really got any concerns with him. His condition was good. He's big. Fool's got nice lines. Um, nothing particular that I could say about him. He made, um, what's his name, Steve look fat. He did. 
Yes, he did. Even though Akim's stomach was a little bit off, I thought. Um, let now we're going into the top seven with Akim. Can mm -hmm. he ever be Mr. Olympia? Um, that's a good question. Um, do you know what? Probably has the potential. He, his arms are ridiculous. His legs are ridiculous. His back, glutes, calves are ridiculous. It's just the insane. way he hits his rear lat with his legs really wide. I don't like. Mm. That's me being a bit picky. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at it. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. His erectors actually remind me of Ronnie Coleman's. Yeah, exactly. Like his, his glutes remind me of Ronnie Coleman's because they're like they're halfway down his leg. You know, mm. Ronnie had those like really long glutes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry if you can hear the dog pattering around. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think he could be Mr. Olympia. It just needs a little bit more size. Not a lot, though. Mm. I think I'd want to see a bit more, perhaps across his shoulders, maybe, uh, just to make him look a bit wider than he's yeah. very thick. He's very thick, but often with these guys who are extremely thick, you see it with like ex-powerlifters. They don't, they need to, they need a little bit more width. Yeah, I think from the rear, his lateral delts are a bit lost. Yeah, yeah. If you look at one, someone like uh, Jay Cutler, for example, um, you he was thick front to back, but you he was so freaking wide. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's go over to number six. This one for me, I'm going to say I was disappointed, but I fully expected to be disappointed. Cedric. Yeah, Cedric just felt a bit... Uh, yeah. it, it just feels awkward with Cedric every show now because he's just never like on. No, you know, yeah. I'm not Very saying that he's not doing like, like he doesn't know that he can't come in tight or something. But it's just always like every show is the same sort of thing. You'll be like, <laughs> you know, not quite there. There was something off about his physique. I couldn't quite put my finger on it this time, but I don't know if it's always been there, but I just didn't like his flow. And I know everybody says he's got a great flow, so maybe that just makes me sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, but I just I didn't like his flow. I don't know what it was, whether his waist was... I don't know what it was. I just didn't like his flow. He just looked awkward to me. Maybe it was the way he was posing, because he did say he felt really uncomfortable on stage that time. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? Sometimes he poses really good, but then sometimes it feels a bit like... Like when he hits his front relax with hands open, I was thinking that looks yeah. odd. Or like his yeah. thumb hanging out. Or he always does the hips off to the side. And then his waist is pretty much the same size as like his VL, which looks a bit strange. And he stands a bit awkwardly on the front relax sometimes. Maybe that's what... You know, if you compared him, because he would stood next to um, Sergio. Yes. Um, when Sergio hits his poses, they're like, bang, he's the first in it. The, the the quad splay on that front relaxed tight. Where Cedric just seems to be kind of swaying in the wind up there. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's. I think he's trying to go for that sort of artistic type posing. But the thing is, I've seen Cedric put some really good poses, like a, a solid side tricep, no flinging in the wind, a solid side tricep, a solid most muscle, and he looks phenomenal. It's when he it's, it's, he tries to do these sort of almost like classic poses. He's mm. not a classic guy. Like no matter what no. people say about his waist, he's not a classic guy. He's, he's it's not going to work. And even if he was, he he's not going to get away with it in this lineup when people no. are hitting these poses that make them look so solid. 
Yeah, well, front. exactly. I mean, you look at all the dominant Mr. Olympias, you look at your Jay Cutler's, your Ronnie Coleman's, your Phil Heath, they would come, they would hit the pose confidently and just blast everyone off the stage. Cedric doesn't seem to do that. No, and it takes him a while to get into his poses and then yeah. you've already looked at everyone else. It's like an afterthought then. Yeah, I would have I would have placed Max Charles ahead of him on that day. Mm, yeah, I would have hundred percent. And uh, I do. Did he? Did he? Did he? There was something about Cedric. Did he start in the first call out and then got moved to the second? I forget what it was on the night. Do you remember? All Still, I can remember is him stood next to Sergio, which was yeah the second call out, wasn't it? Yeah, there was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was some moving. I think that, that, I think it was they moved Sergio to the first call out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving on to Sergio then. Uh, thoughts on him. I was super hyped. I thought he was going to look amazing, and he did. I thought yeah. he looked incredible. <laughs> That's exactly my thoughts on it. He was massively hyped, um, which I didn't agree with because I was, I, as a personality, I wasn't a massive fan of him, to be honest. However, he did kind of grow on me. He always, I don't know if you, 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 th- you think this, but he always seems to come across as very insecure. Um, but in the interviews leading up to the show, he came across as a lot more centered. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, his coach, Asito, uh, was giving him a lot more credit saying he was going to be appealed. And if Asito says you're going to be appealed, then you're going to be appealed. And when he came on, I was, I was very impressed. He had the most detailed legs on the stage. Yeah. Um, I just thought he looked, I couldn't fault him for the physique that he has. Yeah. Best that I've seen him. He was peeled. He was full to the brim. He just looked excellent. Chris has done an amazing job on him. Absolutely agree. I thought he looked absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, 2020 was a great, great showing for him. So with Sergio, what's he missing? I literally just think it's that bit of upper body size. Um, His legs, they're not the biggest legs on the stage. They're pretty big, but it was his sort of clavicular head in general. His clavicular shelf lets him down like when he hits that um, front relax shot. He hasn't got that sort of clavicular pec size that makes him sort of look huge up top. Yes. Um, that, and a bit more lat width on him. I think his midsection is really nice and he has a great set of abs. Yeah, I think he's done phenomenally well to get the size he has with the midsection he has. Because yes. he's, about, he's about 260 and he's six foot. Now, you know, that's, those are big numbers, but to, to be Mr. Olympia, he's going to need to get a bit bigger. Yes, agree. Now, you compare him to our next guy, Steve Kuklo, and as the old saying goes, if you don't have anything positive to say, don't say anything at all, I was not impressed with Kuklo at all. No, I agree. I thought it was odd. I don't know how he placed as high as he did. At the time, I was thinking, it must be the live stream that I'm watching. Because he was so soft through the midsection from the back, ridiculously soft. Yeah. Film of water over his quads, bloated. It just didn't look good. No, I, I, thought, I do not understand the. I don't understand the hype around Kuklo. I don't get it. But there were pictures of him looking absolutely peeled. So I don't know what happened. It's just, I'm looking at a picture of him now doing a front double bicep and everything. His arms are soft, his chest is soft. Um, mm-hmm. stomach soft he's got that look where when you're a little bit soft and you've got too much oil on you it just looks horrible you know what I mean yes. yeah. yeah 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 that Agreed. look 
that look. I, I've just, I, I don't get that. I don't get the hype around him. I really don't get it. Yeah. Sorry for that ping. If you, if you see him in the, um, his rear lat spread, my wife is texting me whilst I'm on a podcast. <laughs> Cheers. Um, yeah, his rear lat spread all through the mid back. His erectors had no detail. No. Yeah. It was bizarre. He's got a, he's got a similar frame, I think, to Sergio Oliver Jr. So he's got the height, uh, but he doesn't have as much muscle by far. He seems mm-hmm. to weigh more somehow, but um, I maybe that's a conditioning thing, or maybe mm-hmm. it's just the thickness of his bones. Like he's got a wide bone structure, but that means he's like Jay Cutler. He he's going to have to weigh a lot more. He's going to have to be bigger. Yes. Yep, I agree. And the, and he didn't look impressively large, uh, and maybe that was just his softness. But, you know, uh, who was he stood next to from the back? Max Charles. And they hit that rear lat spread. Made yeah. him look like he was 16 weeks out. Oh, from the rear, he doesn't look good. No, he's not, he's not got enough size from the rear for my liking at all. Now, it's interesting. We've, we've covered Sergio Oliver Jr., fifth place. Steve Kuklo, fourth place. The next guy is another one of the big guys. Big Rami, third place. Thoughts? Um, I thought... Rami's physique's always been confusing to me, and I'll be very honest, I never liked it. So it's hard for me to um, critique. I think this was one of his better showings. I'm just confused why at every show his legs get a bit softer. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if he's just got loads of oil in his VL or what. Um, I'll say... Estes looked... He was pretty hard. He's got a lot of size... Um, I just think the amount of size he has makes his arms look a bit odd. His whole clavicular shell is just like a straight line. It looks like his um, clavicular head of his pec and his anterior delt are just like one muscle. Mm. It's quite a weird look. And then where his lateral delts round off, it's like they just dip into his arm. Um, I was, I've got to say, I was very impressed with Rami. I'd say, yeah. I'd, I would, I'd say, I was very critical of Rami coming in. Uh, I mean, uh, we've got a mutual friend, Ollie. We were joking about it, uh, about just Rami's gonna, inevitably going to be off again. He was yeah. not off. Like in the, in the morning, sh- in the day show, he, he looked soft. In the evening yeah. show, holy crap, he bought it. He looked phenomenal. I think in the evening show, he could have actually won. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and say that. I don't think you could have asked much more from Rami from the evening, evening show. He looked ridiculous. That pose he does where he's got his hands almost behind his back. Yes. Yeah, I've just, I've never seen him look better did you I, notice it looked quite strange trying to get into a real lat spread like he couldn't get uh, there like yeah, the like pinned on the right side oh did he not have the shoulder issue if you remember about a year ago ah well that could be it yeah that could that be could it because he had he went for surgery on that didn't he mm. that'll be it that'll probably be it well spotted but i i thought I thought that was a phenomenal placing for Rami. I, it, it was so sweet, actually, because he went on his um, Instagram and apologized to all his fans. But uh, I, I was thinking, you've got nothing to apologize for. You, you're just literally the best you've looked in probably five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think he, I still think at some point he could get it together. If he spends another solid year with Chad Nichols, he'll either be dead or he'll win the Olympia. Yeah. Bit dark humor there, but I do, I do think that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right so going on to the next guy and favorite i know you're a big fan of him i'm a massive fan of him dexter jackson 50 years of age yep as usual on point 
nailed it. Wouldn't expect any less. Thought he looked amazing. Yeah. I've got absolutely no critique. I think his physique is beautiful, head to toe. Yeah. And he's always a class act and he nails it every single time. Yeah, he, I mean, God, bloody hell, he nailed it this time, didn't he? Absolutely nailed it. Could be out with a bang if um, the Olympia doesn't go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That was his last show. But absolutely, yeah. fine. I'm looking at the video of his posing now, and I thought, again, I thought him, like Rami, he looked better in the night show. Um, mm -hmm. I was a little bit disappointed with him in the morning show. I think, in the, sorry, in the day show. I think in the day show, he was a little bit flat, which made him look soft. But in the night show, he came in and he was peeled and hard and full. And it was just classic old school Dexter. I think in the leg department, he actually had Bonac from the front. Yeah. Wow. His legs. I mean, where do they come from all of a sudden? They seem to have come up the last two years. Mm. On, the, um, on the side shots, his VL is, is amazing. Mm. Yeah. Phenomenal. What a guy. Uh, just so happy to see him on stage and you know the great thing about Dexter is he just looks like he's having such a good time on stage yeah he loves it he's smiling in all the yeah. poses I love that <laughs> yes. he's just loving it isn't he that's so great he's confident he's happy he's everything you wanted in Olympia he's got a great personality he's, he brings it every time he works hard for his fans it's literally everything you wanted in Mr. Olympia yeah. I, I, I would be very chuffed if he got it again assuming it goes ahead this year yeah well, we can only hope for that one that would be cool to go out on a win like that. And, you know, it could be very well argued that he could be in the run for it. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what Brandon Curry brings back. Um, mm. So, moving on to first place, the conqueror, William Bonnack. Yeah. I mean, as soon as he walked out, I think everyone said he's won. Yeah. I just think from the get-go, he was the biggest, the hardest, that was it. The best flow. He looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, you and I were discussing it on the forums, and um, I think we agreed pretty much every po every pose in the first call out. He looked like the winner. He was bigger. He was harder. He was leaner. He had more detail. It it was just it was inevitable going to be a win. Now I'll say it was kind of a bit sweet for me because I'm not a massive fan of his physique. Um, I just I don't know I don't know. But just he maybe he looks like a very small compact Ronnie Coleman. Yeah, yeah. Looks, I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> no, it's especially obvious from the back. I would like him with a little bit more back width, yeah. maybe because his legs are so wide. But his glutes from the back look incredible. They're huge, striated, like a great look. But his back, I'm not a big fan of. Um, I think it's because he's quite he's quite narrow relative to his waist. Yeah, this is it. His, yeah. his clavicles aren't. Huge, but it, uh, that makes him look great in side shots. Yes, um, he looks phenomenal in side shots. But th that is essentially what, why Brandon pips him to the post in the Olympia. If you put them next to each other, Brandon is just bigger and wider. He's just a bigger guy, full stop. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, his height does slightly let him down. But, you know, when it's between him and Dexter, they're pretty much the same height. And, yeah, um, Dexter's got better lines. I think with Bonac, he's done very well with his... His, his genetic physique, so his his actual structure, but um, is in terms of would he would he ever beat somebody with better lines like a Dexter, like a Brandon Curry? Not going to happen. No, no, I agree. Arguably, at some point, when he goes up against Sergio Olivia Junior, that'll be an interesting matchup. Yeah, I can see. Actually, I don't think. Bonac has got a lot of room to improve his physique from where he is. Yeah. 
I think I think Sergio is going to go a lot further than where he currently is. I think so. Yeah, I think Bonac uh, will be very happy with that 130 grand check, and he won't have to split 40 percent of it. To be... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a story that was. <laughs> it turns out he doesn't need him. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And hopefully he'll uh, he'll get his uh, Hoover out at some point and clean up that apartment. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Right, Joe. Bonac just getting peeled without even trying. It was yeah. just like he just he just eats what he wants, just kind of trains, you know, with a little bit of intensity, and and it just happens to come together in that way. If only it was that easy for all of us. <laughs> Definitely. Right, uh, Joe. It's been a pleasure again. I will. I'll. Um, I won't keep you any longer. I'll call you there. Thank you very much for coming on, and um, hopefully we'll uh, we'll have you back on again soon for uh, some uh, post-show analysis when things are back to normal. <laughs> Please, yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on again. Awesome. Uh, and that, we'll make it a yearly um, appointment, shall we? Yeah. Well, I might even get you back for the Olympia uh, reaction as well. <laughs> no, I really. <laughs> All right, Joe. All the best. Uh, say hello to Jasmine. Speak soon. I will do, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye.